0: Hello and welcome to the Chemistry Made Simple podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Macario, and this is the podcast where you come to get chemistry confident. Okay, so in this episode, we're continuing the short series on periodicity. You may recall from episode 25 that we said that periodicity is a topic where we study the trends in physical properties across a period of the periodic table. Today we're looking at the trends in melting points and boiling points across period three. The first thing that we should note is there isn't one trend, there's two distinctive trends across the period. There's one for the first half of the period and there's a very different one for the second half of the period too. The first four elements, sodium, magnesium, aluminium and silicon, show an increase in melting point from sodium's about 370 Kelvin to silicon's nearly 1700 Kelvin. Their boiling points follow an increasing trend too. Apart from a slight anomaly, silicon has a slightly lower boiling point than aluminium, but at over 2,600 Kelvin it's still pretty high. So what about the other elements in period 3? The elements to the right of silicon in the periodic table. What about from phosphorus to argon? Well, there is a steep drop in both the melting point point and boiling point trend when we go from silicon to the next element, phosphorus. From phosphorus across the remainder of the period, the trend in melting point and boiling point drop towards argon, with the exception of sulfur, which has a melting point and boiling point slightly higher than that of phosphorus, and we'll talk about why in a moment. But then chlorine, and especially argon, have much lower melting points and boiling points. As we know, both those elements, we consider gases, they're gases at room temperature and pressure. So that's our two trends. The first half of the period from sodium to silicon has high and rising melting points and boiling points. The second half from phosphorus to argon has much lower and dropping melting points and boiling points. So why is that? Why do we see two mini trends? One from sodium to silicon and then another very different trend from phosphorus through to argon. Well it's all about the structure and the bonding within those elements. Let's take a closer look. Well, firstly, sodium, magnesium, and aluminium are all metals, of course. So they all have that metallic bonding structure. And in metallic bonding, the outer electrons can form a sea of electrons, whilst the remainder of the metal atom is effectively a positively charged ion within that electron sea. The attraction between positive and negative within this structure is strong and can mean that some metals have very high melting points and boiling points. As we've mentioned, sodium's melting point is not particularly high, at about 370 Kelvin. You're probably aware that it is a soft metal that can even be cut with a sharp knife. However, magnesium and aluminium have much higher melting points and boiling points than sodium, and they have a much stronger structure as well. You couldn't take a scalpel and put it through a piece of aluminium, for example. So why is there such a difference? Well, sodium atoms have only one electron in their outer shell, so there's only one electron per atom that can go into that sea of electrons. And also that means that the sodium Ion that is left within the electron C has a plus one charge. Magnesium, however, has two electrons in its outer shell, in that third shell. So it has two electrons per atom that are able to go into the the metal's electron C. And those magnesium ions within that C have a plus two charge. For aluminium, of course, it's three electrons, and the aluminium ion in the C has a plus three charge. And of course, electrons have a negative charge those positive ions within the the metal C have a positive charge, there's going to be quite a strong attraction between those. And that attraction is obviously going to be greater for magnesium and for aluminium than it is for sodium, because the sodium ions only have a plus one and there's less electrons in that C because only one electron per atom is available to go into that electron C. Magnesium and aluminium have twice and three times that charge, so much stronger attraction. Hence, it takes a lot more energy to break down that structure, and that means much higher melting point and boiling point. So how about silicon, the next element across the period? Silicon is not metallic, but has the highest melting point within the period, and that's because silicon has a macromolecular structure, also sometimes referred to as the giant covalent structure. Silicon atoms have four electrons in the outer shell, and silicon's bonding within the element is covalent. In elemental silicon, each silicon atom makes four single covalent bonds with each of four more adjacent silicon atoms. This results in a potentially huge molecule, as it doesn't have a defined end. Bonding just continues until there are no more silicon atoms. help you visualize, it has a structure very comparable to that of diamond. It takes a lot of energy to break all those covalent bonds and that is what will be required in order to melt silicon. So the common theme for, for these four elements we've discussed so far, sodium, magnesium, aluminium and silicon, is that they all have giant structure. Whether it's metallic or giant covalent, they all have a massive structure with an unlimited molecule size, and therefore a great deal of energy is required in order to break apart the atoms in order to melt them. The remaining four elements in the period don't have giant structures, they have a discrete defined molecule size, they're much smaller. Because of that, melting them just means breaking down the van der Waals forces, the intermolecular forces between one molecule and another of those elements. Intermolecular forces tend to be much weaker than actual bonds, hence these four elements have lower melting points than the first four we were talking about. Let's look at them individually. So elemental phosphorus forms a molecule with four phosphorus atoms. P4 is its formula, of course. So melting phosphorus means applying enough energy to overcome the van der Waals forces between one P4 molecule and the next, and so on. Sulfur forms a slightly larger molecule, S8. and Whilst it's still a discrete molecule, its slightly larger size means it has greater van der Waals forces than phosphorus does, and therefore the melting point and the boiling point are slightly higher than for phosphorus. They're still quite low, though. Elemental chlorine, as we know, has the formula Cl2, it makes a diatomic molecule. And because that molecule is small, the van der Waals forces between one Cl2 molecule and the next are very small. So that means the amount of energy required to separate those molecules and and to melt them or even vaporise them into a gas is low. Hence we're familiar with chlorine being gaseous at room temperature and pressure. How about argon? Well, argon, like all noble gases, doesn't even bond with itself. So, argon molecules are made up of just one atom, so the intermolecular forces between two argon atoms are very low indeed, hence it has the lowest melting point and boiling point within the period. So, these four elements, phosphorus, sulfur, chlorine and argon, all have small molecular sizes and therefore have lower melting points and boiling points than the the first four elements we talked about. So in summary, there are two mini-trends for melting point and boiling point across the period, across period three. Sodium through silicon have generally increasing values for melting point and boiling point, and these are all higher than those for phosphorus through to argon. This is because sodium through to silicon all have giant structures due to their bonding. And the melting point and boiling point values for phosphorus to argon generally decrease. And as we mentioned, these are relative to the molecule size for those elements. And that's because molecule size has a big influence over the amount of van der Waals forces between those molecules. Each has a relatively small molecule size, so a relatively small amount of energy is required in order to overcome those van der Waals and intermolecular forces. Hence, those melting points and boiling points are generally much lower than for the first half of the period. So I hope this episode's been useful to you. And it is the third in this series on periodicity, so so do subscribe and listen to the next episode in this series too to see the full story on periodicity. Don't forget to tell your friends about it as well, of course. Be very happy to be helping your friends too. Hope the study and the revision are going well. Keep it up. Look after yourself until I speak to you next time. Goodbye.